This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of July 28, 2014, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 141 of Defender Radio. As summer is coming to its peak, so are the thousands of wild babies from coast to coast. While APFA works hard to protect them through education, advocacy, bylaws, and policy, much effort is still needed on the front lines. And those who stand in the trenches are wildlife rehabilitators. In Burnaby, BC, the Wildlife Rescue Association of British Columbia takes in several thousand injured, orphaned, or sick wild animals every year. Their team of rehabilitators work tirelessly to provide care, comfort, and a second chance for animals who have been wrongly injured or taken from their homes. This week, we're hearing from two staffers of the WRA, Karen Becker, a wildlife rehabilitator, as well as Yolanda Brooks, communications manager. The two sides, front office and back care rooms, will be explored in these interviews. Karen Becker is a graduate of UBC and started at WRA as a volunteer. She enjoyed it so much she returned for a six-month internship, during which time she took additional courses in wildlife rehabilitation. Since 2011, Karen has helped save the lives of tens of thousands of BC's wild animals. She joined us to discuss her role at WRA and how she manages with the stress of being a wildlife rehabilitator. We can uh, talk a bit about uh, you, just, you know, a bit about who you are, your background, and um, whether or not, uh, or why, I should say. Uh, why you got involved in wildlife uh, rehabilitation? Well, I I actually came into um, came into wildlife rescue as a transport volunteer initially, and I was drawn to the organization just because I wanted to I, I wanted to contribute somehow to improving animal welfare, and I saw. Uh, the impacts of the urban environment on animals. And I wanted to to be involved with something that was making a difference. Um, And I found out about wildlife rescue and started as a volunteer, but eventually I loved it so much. I worked my way up um, as an animal care volunteer, then an intern then casual staff and stayed on until now where I'm a wildlife rehabilitator. So it was a, a ground up process for me and a lot of hands-on learning and experience, but it was it was fueled for me by passion and uh, a, a dedication to want to do more for our wildlife. Okay, and um, let's. I, I'm going to jump straight into one of the tricky questions. Uh, as someone who loves wildlife, you're going to be exposed as a wildlife rehabber to some of the really ugly things that happen to wildlife, from hunting and trapping injuries to uh, uh, devastation, uh, looking at orphans and even just roadkill almost situations. How do you deal with that? I mean, as someone who loves these animals, seeing them in such constant distress. Mm -hmm. Um, I take it, I take it on a day by day, case by case, um, basis. And especially when, especially when, when starting, um, I really, 
worked in baby steps with it of, of being comfortable and taking tasks on that I knew I could follow through, but also always letting everyone around know where I was at and how I was feeling. And if it was too much to take on, maybe stepping back for, for a few minutes and just um, always communicating, letting others know how I was feeling because most everyone you're working with has worked through that at some point. So for me, it was a big part of having a team there to support. And then what I found happen, happened for me is through the work and knowing that you're making a difference and that sometimes you're, you, you have to be exposed to see these, you're going to be exposed to see these terrible traumatic injuries or sad stories, but you have to be in that position in order to to provide good care or to alleviate suffering. And once you get to really understand that concept, it actually becomes, uh, I guess, easier to understand the bigger picture. Okay. Um, something I find curious, uh, I, I consider myself relatively pragmatic about uh, animals. Uh, and of course, I say this as there's a dog more or less lying on my feet trying to get me to play while I interview you. Um, but I, I think we can all understand and respect that in nature, all things die. And that that is something uh, of reality of life of all kind. But when we talk about rehab, and, I, and I've had this conversation with a few people, um, we are, in a sense, interfering with that notion. But I've also found that the majority of animals coming in to care at wildlife centers aren't animals who are out in the middle of a forest somewhere um, where disease or a lack of food will affect them. These are animals that have been impacted directly by humans. Is that the case that you seem to come across regularly? Yes, that's largely the case here. A high high percentage of our uh, patients have been impacted by humans, whether hit by cars or unnecessarily taken out of their habitat, um, or if they're if they come into contact, there's an entanglements, or uh, we've had a couple painted turtles in in the last couple of weeks he has so um that happens traps people put up traps even the the glue traps or sticky traps for for insects and rodents around their house that birds come in on so that's largely what we're seeing through our day is the the animals that are being directly impacted from the urban environment slowly taking away their habitat well, and um, we've actually been uh, following along with some of these cases you're discussing. Uh, most recently, the squirrel uh, that was caught in the T-Rex uh, trap, which is set out for rats. And uh, our organization does a, a, a fair bit of advocacy work on that. So we've been spreading it around the internet, uh, sending out press releases, and uh, lobbying the government to start looking at this. Uh, is it frustrating to be able to, to, to have to kind of sit and manage the pain of these animals, but not be able to do more to prevent it? Or do you see what you do as a level of prevention through education? It, there, there is a level of prevention through education, absolutely. That's what you hang on to in the back of your mind. But in the forefront is the frustration, and you have to always calm yourself 
calm yourself down so that you can you can do your job effectively and remove the animal from the trap, provide the pain meds. Um, but it's definitely frustrating because you know this is just one thing that you're seeing, but there's so many out there that you, that could potentially be the next in line to harming harming the next animal. Um, people can get those traps anywhere, and it is a difficult thing we all have to work with in trying to uh, keep open and compassionate and willing to talk with the public, educate, but not become frustrated or angry or or overly emotional so we can't actually do the job at hand, which would be removing the animal from the trap. Uh, sometimes we we want so badly just to get them out of the trap. We'll absolutely not getting any kind of um, photo documentation. Um, that happens a lot. Can you realize just how in the heat of the moment you are? So it's definitely a balancing act there. And remembering that I, I am also an animal lover, and I'm asking this for the sake of the interview, mm -hmm. uh, so you don't yell at me. <laughs> why, why is it important to treat these animals and rehabilitate them and release them when possible, as opposed to simply try and humanely euthanize them and put them out of pain and misery? Well, I, I believe it's important to take responsibility for all of the animals that we're impacting in, in our environment, in our urban environment, to take responsibility for our actions negatively affecting them. And I think it's also very important to to understand that they are animals, they're beings, that um, we need to do everything we can to alleviate any kind of suffering that comes down the path. And also everything that we're doing here for, for the animals is teaching a larger, uh, it, uh, spreading out in a larger way of teaching compassion overall. So having a finder, a uh, member of the public, be able to bring in an injured animal to us and know that we are here and dedicated to do everything we can for it, I think it really helps to build the community as a whole and in a positive way. And no animal should go, to me, no animal should go uh, unnoticed or suffering. And how do people react when you tell them what you do for a living? When you say that you, you, you work with animals all day and you try and rehabilitate them, do they just kind of look at you and smile politely and walk away? Or is there some kind of conversation that takes place? Uh, generally, it's the look at you and smile and walk away or change the subject swiftly. <laughs> um, most people just really don't want to even try to understand what you do. Um, some people I find have... Um, maybe a, a predisposed idea of what it is or a little bit of um, possibly some judgment uh, and then there are uh, others who are very interested very um, very interested and excited want to know more about it or they have stories to tell where they they do know what a wildlife rescue is and they have taken an animal there and they are very who does work that they believe in absolutely um and what do you want people to know about what you do um like to the general public to people who care about wildlife what's important to you for them to know about yourself about uh, the wildlife rescue association of bc and um, all of the people involved in the process mm -hmm. 
what would be important is to know where we are, uh, that we are uh, accessible to them if they find any injured, orphan, pollution damaged wildlife, they can call us. We're here, we're dedicated for that, we're open every day of the year. Uh, to know about myself is I'm dedicated to it um, I, and educate and just here for the cause. And on the whole, I think in, in the big picture, I would want people to know that the urban environment has very big impacts on wildlife. And as we see it slowly shrinking and loss of habitat happening, we really have to do our best to coexist and have an understanding of what we can do to decrease the, the negative effects we're having on the wildlife. Um, yeah. Excellent. And my final question, um, and this may be the most difficult one, what do you do when you get tired? <laughs> and I mean tired to the bone from everything you see, the long hours you work, um, the extremely difficult physically and emotionally work. What What is your response to that? I get a very big cup of coffee and I go to a park where I like to, to sit that's nice and quiet and it's very rejuvenating. I sit on a bench there and I look at the wildlife. I look at what's around me. I listen to the birds. I see the squirrels go by. I look at all of the things that are healthy and I tell myself it's worth it. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. First, they tear a hole in your roof. Then they get in, destroying your insulation, chewing your electrical wiring. Raccoons and squirrels are eating away at your biggest investment, your home. I am Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Don't wait any longer. Call Gates Wildlife Control. We'll humanely get them out and keep them out. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit us at gateswildlifecontrol.com or call 416-750-9453. Bearsmart.com is the most comprehensive resource on the web for all things bear. At Bearsmart.com, we work hard to ensure people and bears safely and respectfully coexist. Join us as we give bears a voice at bearsmart.com. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing keystone species. Every year, dogs, cats, endangered species, and even people are caught in cruel leg hold, conibear, and other body gripping traps across Canada. Who will speak out for these innocent victims of an outdated industry? We will. I'm Leslie Fox, Executive Director of the Association for the Protection of Fur Bearing Animals. With your support, we can bring an end to the needless and painful deaths of hundreds of thousands of animals. Become a member today at FurBearerDefenders.com to find out how you can give hope for our fur-bearing friends. 
This is Defender Radio. We're back with more from the Wildlife Rescue Association of British Columbia. WRA is responsible for several thousand wild animals every year who are injured, sick, or orphaned. Yolanda Brooks is the communications manager at WRA. A veteran journalist and communications specialist, Yolanda worked with the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in the UK prior to coming to Canada in 2005. She joined WRA in 2010 and has since applied her skills to bettering the lives of wild animals in BC. She recently spoke with Defender Radio about the WRA as a whole and how people can help make a difference. The Wildlife Rescue Association of British Columbia is well known as one of the larger organizations that does a lot of work, not just with the animals one-on-one, but also with education. Uh, I've used your website as a resource myself uh, in getting information for blogs and things like that. So what is the, the operating principle of the organization? Because it does seem to be two levels that way. Yes, we do two things. Uh we do wildlife rehabilitation centre, so we have the wildlife hospital, which is called the care centre, and people bringing animals and our volunteers bringing animals to the hospital, and they get treated. And any animal that is healthy enough to be released will be released as close to where it was found as possible. But some of the animals come in and they have such severe injuries that uh, we humanely euthanise them. We're not sanctuary here. We don't keep animals for years and years to live out the rest of their life in captivity. We do just release the animals that are healthy enough to be released. On the other side of our operations, we have an education program and we go out into the community and we talk to people about wildlife and this is both staff and volunteers. So we'll go to local festivals and we'll go to local events and we'll have a stand there and we'll give out information, for example, what to do if I find a baby bird, how to deal with a raccoon which may be being a nuisance to you, what you should feed wildlife, what you shouldn't feed wildlife and just um, trying to prevent negative interactions between wildlife and humans. So we're just trying to get out into the public, raise awareness about all sorts of different issues and people come and ask us questions and we have staff and volunteers who can answer those questions. And the other thing we do, we have a program where we have an education officer who will go out to schools all across Metro Vancouver and she will give um, information to schools, to the children about interacting with wildlife and how to make the experience a positive experience for both the children and the wildlife. And we also have a summer camp program, which is going on at the moment. And every week throughout the summer, we have kids coming in and they go on wildlife walks. They learn about the different habitats of animals. So they just know more about the wildlife that's around them and what's going on. And we have a lot of uh, kids that are immigrants and a lot of local wildlife they don't know about and their parents don't know about. So that's one of the good things about being in Burnaby. We can teach um, a whole generation of children about local wildlife. The people who were born here and live here kind of take for granted. Excellent. Uh, and how long has the organization been around for? 
It's been going since 1979, so that's 35 years this year, and it was set up by a group of concerned citizens who would find injured wildlife but had nowhere to take it. So occasionally um, they take it to a vet and they might be able to do something, but there was nothing formal, there was nowhere that you could take an injured animal. So they said, okay, we'll learn and we'll do it ourselves, and it's grown from there. And uh, how many animals come in and out every year? Um, last year, we had 4,131 animals uh, admitted to the care centre. And we've been seeing a growth of um, animals coming in every year. Over the last two years or so, there's been a 20% increase in the number of animals that have been coming into wildlife rescue. And um, the facility, our wildlife hospital, was initially built for about 1,000 animals a year. And now we're taking over 4,000. Wow. What, what's causing that sharp uh, increase? Because that, that can't just be one thing. I think part of it is that more people know that we're here. And if they do see an injured animal, they have somewhere to take it. And it's just more awareness of wildlife and what's around them. And, you know, we can do something to help. And I just think more people know that wildlife rescue um, is here. We've been making efforts to do more work in the community and get more publicity for the animals that we do treat in the hopes that some of the injuries that we do see will um, we won't see so often if people know how to look after wildlife or how to look out for wildlife. And I guess uh, you, you did make the interesting point of the amount of immigration in the area. Uh, as you know, I'm in southern Ontario, and the two of us, uh, our two regions, make up the two hotspots of immigration for the entire country. Um, how much time, or, or that's not the right way to put that, it's how do people respond when they come from other countries where the concept of wildlife rehabilitation is, is completely foreign, pun intended, um, how do they respond when they hear about it, when they see it in action? Well, I think, you know, a lot of people, we have people from uh, all over who will volunteer here once they find out about what we do. They're very excited. So I think from any community, wherever they come from in the world, there's someone there that cares about animals and cares about wildlife. And you hope that they can be ambassadors in their community to just talk about why we want to save wildlife and why it's important for us to save wildlife. So um, people come across us at community events and willing to talk to them and give them leaflets and just share stories and hopefully they will um, get a greater appreciation of the animals that are around them. And uh, I've got a two-part question. One is directly for uh, WRA. How do people get involved there? And also, since we are a, a national and international audience, how can people just in general get involved with wildlife rehabilitation? I think locally people can look on our website and we have a whole volunteer section and you can find out, A, you can find out about um, wildlife rescue and that's wildliferescue.ca. You can generally just find out what we do, the type of animals we look after. But we also have a whole volunteer section and people can find out about the volunteering opportunities because we have about 300 volunteers here and they do lots of different things. So we have some people who are just transport volunteers and then we have people who um, have keeping volunteers. So all they do is do the laundry, prepare food, um, wash cages, make sure that everything in the wildlife hospital is good for 
animals. And then we have people who help out in the care centre and they're helping staff with hands-on work of animals and they tend to be really experienced volunteers who've been around for a while. And then we have office volunteers who are helping out in the office. And for the summer, we have duck-sitting volunteers because the ducks need to be um, outside and get some exercise and eat some natural food. But we um, we were out at Burnaby Lake and there's an awful lot of predators around. So we basically, somebody will come out with a book, sit on a chair and watch the ducks for a couple of hours every day. And that's one of the opportunities for younger volunteers to get involved with wildlife rescue. So there are lots of diff little different niche areas that you can help. And we have maintenance volunteers who come and build things and fix things for us. And uh, office volunteers who do lots of different things. So there are plenty of opportunities for local people to get involved so they can look on the website or contact our volunteer coordinator and see what set of skills they have and uh, see how they can help us out and generally if you're interested in wildlife rehabilitation even if you have no experience you probably have skills at something even if it's answering the phone uh, we have wildlife helpline uh, volunteers which we absolutely need in the summer because we get 150 calls a day so just go online look up your local organization give them a call and find out if they need your help or find out if they need supplies because summertime there's a lot of animals in they need fish they need berries there's all sorts of different foods that animals need so even a food donation or a laundry detergent donation or a bleach donation will help to make a difference Excellent. Um, and how about people afar who uh, want to get involved but uh, aren't in your area? Just um, find out what local organizations are there are to help and um, give them a call, I think, and uh, find out whether they need food and supplies, whether they need people on the ground to help out with things, and just find out what think about what skills you may have that may help them, especially as um, non-profits are running on the shoestring, they may want your computer help, they may need your event planning expertise, they may simply need your operating um, a washing machine expertise. So usually they will be grateful for your help or grateful for your supplies, but just go online and have a look and see what's in your area. To learn more about the Wildlife Rescue Association of British Columbia, visit wildliferescue.ca. That's the show for this week. I'd like to thank Yolanda and Karen from the WRA for sharing their time, as well as Brad Gates of Gates AAA Wildlife Control for his ongoing support of this program. Until next time, this is Michael Howie for Defender Radio, reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.